So, three questions for you to think about. Does God do what he has promised? Can God do what he's promised? Will God do what he has promised? If you look at the Romans passage, Romans chapter 4, verses 13 25, and then verse 18, it says, And hope he believed against hope. There are times when all of the circumstances of life, all of the things that are going on, really push back against hope. And all the situations around us look very bleak. Maybe our health is falling apart. Maybe the relationships are not working. Maybe the vocation, the, the work that we do is just not working out and things look very bleak. Or maybe if you're Abraham and Sarah, <coughs> you've had this promise made to you, and you've gone decade after decade, and that promise has not been fulfilled. And Sarah is barren. And the whole idea of having an identity and being someone of importance is to have children. Have you had those moments in your life where you lived in kind of a hopeless situation? Straight faces abound today. We're not going to shake our heads today. <coughs> if you have, you know a little bit maybe what Abraham is going to do. If you have not, go talk to your neighbors, I'm sure they have. There's a lot of hopelessness and struggle. What I'd like you to know is uh, if you look at chapter 4 in Romans, it's, it's just incredible. I was obviously looking at it this week, and the one part that I looked at first was it says here, it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. And then he tells us what those things mean in the next verse. Actually, the second verse after that. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. So God gives life to that which is dead. And when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no baby existed in those fire. And it was barren for all those years. And now God made what didn't exist to exist. So what I really love is verse 20. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. I'd like for you just to sit for a moment. No distress. Nothing caused him to waver in his belief in the promises of God. Do you ever go any, through anything that causes you maybe to start to waver? Like if you watch a child die or hear about that, that causes you maybe to waver, right? When you struggle with things, you spent your whole life preparing for something and it's taken away. When you watch the wickedness of man to man, In those moments, God gives us this awesome life that he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. The power of praise. Can we say that phrase together? The power of praise. 
do you need in certain moments when you're going through the against hope times, the hopeless times, the things that would naturally cause your faith to begin to waver, do you ever turn to praise? It's like the most awkward, backwards thing. You think, God does good things, then I praise him. God comes through. God does amazing, miraculous things. Then I'll praise him. Not before. Right? And by golly, we're Americans, so the standard's pretty high, right? Like, we have an awesome, easy life, and we're looking for God to do awesome things above that. He who is strong in his faith. I'm going to give you little phrases I want you to say after me because I want you to really catch this. This is Romans 4.20. He grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Have you ever just looked on that little passage right there? He grew strong in his faith. Pentecost season. Oh my goodness, this is about growth. You bring your green clothes, you put your green stole on, you think about growing. He grew strong in his faith. What's the word I like to use instead of faith? Trust. Trust. He grew strong in his trust in God as he gave glory to God. So, what I like to do is, Psalm 50, verse 15 says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you, and you will honor me. And so part of that honoring, okay, um, God delivers us, and we honor him. I think part of how we honor him is words of praise, and part of how we honor him is calling on him again the next time. And so there are times, because in my life, whenever I have a pain somewhere, which is rare, and so I freak out about it because I'm silly. And so when I freak out about it, what happens then is all of a sudden all I can think about is that thing. Does that ever happen to you or is that just a new thing? So if that happens to you where you're like, oh, it must be. And then I'm just really great because I've run from it's a little pain to I have cancer. Like just that fast. Okay? And so then I worry about all this stuff because, you know, it's here. And my mom died of stomach cancer. So I must not have it. That's a really big, okay, probably heartburn is probably what it is. But it's just, you know, it's like a thing that. In those moments, I've learned to do something. It's simple, four words. While I'm laying in bed, while I'm doing whatever, I just simply say, Jesus, I trust you. And I repeat that over and over and over again. And when I'm doing that, it's kind of giving glory to God because what I'm saying is, not everybody else, not all these circumstances, not me, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I trust you. You've got this. And when I went up, I walked this morning with my dog, early morning, saw the moon up there, half moon. It was just beautiful. And I thought, I'm so small. And God is so great. And he shows how great he is by suffering and dying on the cross for me. Look how important I am that he would do that for me. I now I might live the rest of my life making much of him. And part of how I do that is, Jesus, I trust you. And also when I go out for a walk, uh, the other day I made a really stupid decision before I went to bed, so I got to bed really late. And I woke up 
but it can take me longer in the morning, and it's like really groggy, so I went out to walk my dog. And you know, normally what happens is I spend my time condemning myself for being so stupid to make that poor decision. Anybody else do that? A couple of you, okay, so in the morning you're like, I'm going to make my life worse by not only having done something stupid the night before, but I'll condemn myself all day the next day for that. That's not smart, okay? But I oftentimes have done that, but not this week. This week I said, hey, you know what? How about we praise instead? And that opening hymn we sang, Praise the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. That's the one I sang. And that led to another song of praise. That led to another song of praise. That led to another song of praise. And do you know what happened? The self-condemnation went away. Because <coughs> I focused on the God who is greater than my sin. And I focused on making much of him, not making much of me. How I praise to get my ideas, my thoughts off of me to the one who loves me and changes my life. He did that for Abraham and Sarah. Right? He was strengthened in his faith as he gave glory to God. And then it says this. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. And when I asked those three questions earlier, you guys were amazing. You said, does God do what he promised? You all said out, yes. Can do it? Can God do it? Yes. Will he do it? You all said yes. Abraham wasn't maybe, you know, where we are. He doesn't have all that evidence, okay, like Jesus on the cross. But he trusted that God. We've got a boatload of history of evidence that we can turn to and say, I'm fully convinced that my God is able to do what he said he would do. For instance, before Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, go make disciples. All authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Go make disciples. And oh, by the way, I'll be with you always. Okay, so the disciples are going out. Paul and Silas are going out, and this is in Acts 16. And so as they're doing their work, they're making disciples, they're spreading the good news, and this woman comes up, and she's filled with the spirit that can speak what's true. Okay? So she says, these are men speaking the truth of God. They're prophesying about how to be saved. And so, you know, if you and I had that, if Jackson and I were out walking around and we were sharing the good news and someone came up behind us and said that, would be like, awesome! A little publicity, carrying our brand around with us. This is fantastic. We would love that. But if she did it all the time, every day, we might get a little annoyed. Okay? Kind of like me. The youngest of four boys, and I would just take and imitate my brothers, everything they did, I would do, okay? Which eventually, after a little while, just gets really irritated, okay? So finally, Paul turns around and sends out the, the spirit. And the people that owned her were now angry, so they threw them in prison, and they were beaten, and they were chained, and they were in a prison cell. And you know what Paul and Silas were doing? They were praising God. Acts 16, they were praising God. Have any of you been beaten with blows and thrown in a prison, shackled up recently? How about something like it emotionally? Do you know what? When they were doing it, when they were doing it, others were there watching them. 
And the jailer who was going to kill himself because of their influence didn't, and he and his family were saved. The power of praise to change our attitude and our mindset to be as reminded again on the God who can keep his promises and use us to grow his kingdom because others are watching. And you can do this because the Holy Spirit lives in you. And he's always working us to remind us of everything that Jesus taught and all the wonderful things that Jesus did so that we might have joy. And you and I can have sorrow and joy at the same time. Good lectures of that. So glad you asked for that. Good lectures of that. You can just look at Psalm 43, verse 5. He says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? He has problems. He's living in that hopeless against hope situation. But then it says this, Why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Just out of curiosity, do you find praising God when things are difficult something you naturally do? Me neither. And then God started to work. And it happens to be more regularly now. You mean this old dog can learn tricks? Yes. And so can you by the Spirit working the thing to remind you that the praise is powerful to change our mindset and our lives. Last one. Have you heard of Jehoshaphat? Pat and I didn't have any kids, but man, if we had a boy, I would have been tempted. Okay? Jehoshaphat is such a great name. Although kind of hard to say, I don't know what the nickname would have been, but that would have been good. Okay. Second Chronicles, chapter 20. says this, after this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Moonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Eden, from the other side of the Dead Sea. So he prays, he says, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. There's this vast army, okay, vast army, coming against him. Three different people groups coming against him. And after, after they pray, this is what happens. So the Lord comes upon someone who says this to the king. Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Psalm 35. The psalmist prays, Contend for me, O God. Fight for me, O God. When's the last time you asked God to fight for you? Not fight with you. Fight for you. Then he goes like this. Tomorrow morning, march down against them. They will be climbing up by this certain pass. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah, and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out 
I'm sorry, as it went out at the head of the army, for the singers were in the front. They said, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Have you ever stopped trying to fix someone else or their situation and just began to pray and praise God? And have you ever noticed that God can do amazing things and you're not working so hard to do it? Now, there are things you're supposed to do, right? If you're of age, you should work. You have, have a job. You do something. Be productive. The men we need has has a chapter in that book where it talks about listlessness. Okay? Don't sit around and do nothing. Be active. Do. God's giving you gifts to use for others. But in the middle of the crisis, watch God do things we would never be able to do ourselves. Like when Jesus was hanging on the cross, those disciples, would they have felt hopeless? Three days later, what God did changed everything. For Paul and Silas, for Jehoshaphat, for Abraham and Sarah, for you and me. Let's spend the rest of our day today 